0: Welcome back to Grow and Learn, everyone. This week, we are continuing the subject of leadership, the subject of uh, changing teams, facilitating proper communication. Today, we have as a guest, Marsha Acker. She is a leadership coach. She's, she facilitates um, team, team conflicts and communication But she's going to tell you more about it. You know, I am having a bit of a difficulty describing what she's doing exactly, but this is why we have her to find out. And she's also the author of the book, Build Your Model for Leading Change. I'm welcoming today, Marcia Ecker.
1: Welcome, Uh, Marsha. Thanks, Serena. It's nice to be here.
0: (laughs) So yeah, you've been running a company called Team Catapult for a while. Yes. Um, What kind of services do you provide with this company?
1: Mm. We are focused, I often say we do a lot of work with leaders that are in the tech space or um, are really expert at their craft in science and technology and who maybe um, the, the expertise has gotten them to where they are, but uh, the working with other humans might be a bit of the challenge. And so we do a lot of um, work with leaders, executives, leadership teams, um, helping them to grow their leadership. And we focus a lot on a kind of a core belief that we have that all of our challenges often come down to how we are communicating with one another. So what happens in that face-to-face communication when we come together? So that's Mm -hmm. our, that's our focus. I see. So when you say,
0: uh, facilitating behavioral change in yeah. uh, in the description of your company does this mean mainly communication or is there another mm-hmm. component to behavioral um, change
1: well a lot of the ways that you know we work with when we work with a team so if a team is um, I think when anybody raises their hand and says hey like what we've been doing it's been working but we've reached this point where it where it isn't working as well as it was. Like I think any time any of us, whether individually or a team reach that moment, there is a desire. I don't know that we would say, hey, I wanna change my behavior, but often there is a there is a desired place that people wanna go. And I think in the process of going from point A to point B, there's behavioral change that needs to happen if we're gonna make it stick. Like I think if we just wanna, change a process or we want to change task. that works. There's certainly some change that makes a lot of sense for it to be a process-led change. But if we're looking for something that's more sustainable, yes, I think that's where behavior change comes in. And we tend to start with communications. Like, it is the place. I think if you're going to talk about behavior change, it can mean lots of different things. But in the workplace, when we are speaking and conversing and interacting with others, it's those moments that I think allow us to hone in on what does that look like and helping individuals and teams see. Um, we work with a bit of a technology around looking at the structure of communications and um, the focus of that, you know, it's through that process of looking at communication that brings about behavioral change, more sustainable behavioral change.
0: What are some major roadblocks to communication that you're seeing and how do you Mm. help turn turn them around? I mean, you mentioned technology, but what are some uh, concrete things that you do?
1: I think one, you know, I don't know about you, but I could go all the way back in my career. So my very early days, I have my background was in software engineering. So I can identify a lot with, you know, having a craft or an expertise and not really having um, all the many skills to interface with other humans. It's certainly part of my path. But I think one of the, and I would have said this back to you, you know, back 20 years ago. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges to communication is that we believe we do it really well already. And why would I need to focus on building skills in communication? Because I communicate just fine all day. We all do um, all day, every day. I don't know that we tend to look at it as a craft to actually um, develop the skills of communicating with others. So, And it can get labeled as like a soft skill, or um, even though I'm not a fan of that language, I think a lot of times um, it gets treated that way. So I think that's one of the challenges. And then I think the other challenge is that when we're communicating with others, I think one of the biggest assumptions is that everybody sees the same thing that we see like like that you and i are looking at something and we would look at it and describe it in the same exact way and the reality is is that we don't um we'll see very different things we'll care about different aspects of the same thing or the same situation that we're looking at and so i think it's in those two assumptions that i've noticed become some of the biggest challenges in communication. We think we already do it well, and we think everybody sees what we see. So it tends to lead to, I think, some of the most, um, I call them stuck patterns or groundhog day conversations. So if you've ever had the experience of um, interfacing with someone or having a relationship with someone and you keep having the same conversation over and over every day, I think that's a great flag for, hmm, <laughs> there might be something in our communication that isn't working all that well. So I think those are two of our biggest challenges.
0: And when companies hire you, do they say we have a problem with communication or what do mm. they say?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they will often say things like, hey, we need to get from, um, you know, we're having a lot of change in our industry and we're noticing we're really challenged by uh, entrenched sort of, you know, leadership teams will often struggle with the idea that um, we're not acting as one team. You know, we're acting as a marketing department and a ops department and a design department. And, you know, some of the work at the leadership team level is to really come together and act as one team, not, you know, not putting a stake in the ground for your individual area of expertise. I think the other... Um, challenge that can sometimes manifest is that teams will, um, you know, ask for help, and there's a problem person on the team, you know, we're getting along fine, but it's, it's this particular individual that's really creating some of our challenges, can you come help us, you know, learn to work better? And I, I've yet to find a team where it truly is just that one person, like I think of teams as systems, there will be a part that everybody's playing in that. So those are some of the reasons that people can come. I think the other um, type of team that we often work with are teams that are um, starting up. So we're getting ready to um, start working with a new leadership team that's part of a startup organization. And so they're, they're just coming together. And it's a fantastic time to talk about Um, how do we want to lead together? So a lot of times the way that we're engaging with a leadership team is helping them define their collective leadership. So what is that going to look like? What are we going to reward? And while that might be the bigger topic, we also help them look at the way in which the the how that they're having those conversations. So we kind of build a, a communicative competency muscle for leadership teams so that so that they can continue to navigate whatever the topic might be um, ongoing.
0: Mm-hmm. So it seems that it's a it's a it's a topic much further ranging, ranging than communication. It's basically goes into all aspects of leadership, including reward yeah. systems and uh, yeah. yeah. yes,
1: and we use the we use the structure of the communication to help leadership teams navigate it. So Everything, I think, that becomes a conflict or a challenge, regardless of the topic, I think what sits at it, like at the, the core of it is, are you and I able to engage in an effective conversation so that we can talk about that? And a lot of times the answer, like if if a topic becomes heated or uh, difficult to navigate, or we, or we keep talking about the same thing over and over again, a lot of why that's manifesting as a challenge is it will come down to how you and I are communicating with one another. So if we can see the structure, then you and I can actually take responsibility for what part we're playing in that. And then working the structure actually lets us have a conversation about the topic. And now all of a sudden, the topic isn't as big of a mountain as it was before. So it's, it's, um yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating, I think, the way it works. But uh, I have come to really believe that there isn't much of challenges that happen for us in leadership, our own leadership, or working with others in leadership that doesn't come down to a, a structural way to look at what's what's behind the challenge that we're having. Mm-hmm.
0: Very interesting. And what? how would you define a structure? What? what can you give me an example of a structure yeah. of communication? I don't really
1: know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it does. It it does. It's a little bit head scratchy, right? Like, what do you Mm -hmm. mean by structure? So um, there are four different levels to our communication. And without kind of going through all of those, the first level um, is likely the easiest to see. And it has to deal with the way in which we um, start sentences, the sentences that we say in communication. So um, I think it's pretty fascinating, but every every sentence that we say could be coded into one of four actions. The first is a move. So a move sets direction in the conversation. So you just made a move and said, you know, hey, I'm curious about structure. You know, what would that sound like? So that's a move. The second would be a follow. Um, I supported that. I said, yes, that's a, you know, that's a fantastic question. I'm happy to explore that. That's a, follow. It gets behind the idea. Mm -hmm. Um, The third one is oppose. And oppose offers correction. It says, hey, hold on a minute. Or no, I don't want to do that right now. Or that might, this might not be the best timing. Like I, or I could have said to you, um, yeah, that's, you know, that we might not have time to unpack that. So let's talk about this instead. That would be an oppose with a new move behind it. And then the fourth action is called a bystand, and it's a morally neutral comment. So a lot of times um questions will often come from bystand, or you might bystand on yourself and say, I notice I'm feeling confused in our conversation, or I'm or I'm really enjoying where the conversation is going. It's not getting behind an idea, it's not offering a new idea, it's just truly offering a bystand. So so we can say all four of those um, in the same couple of paragraphs as we're speaking. But what's fascinating about the fact that all of our conversation can be coded into one of four of those actions—it has to do with you know how we're setting direction, like setting direction or supporting it or correcting it—is that we need actually all four of those to be active in a conversation in order for the conversation to be effective, and when. Like for instance, if you and I were in, engaging in a conversation, n- not a podcast conversation, but you know, an, an ongoing uh, conversation, we'd want to make sure that all four of those actions were coming into our conversation when needed. And what happens, what creates those Groundhog Day conversations, those, those conversations that we have over and over again, is often when one or more of those actions is missing on an ongoing basis. And so in teams, there are some patterns that will emerge. So one is a team that's got a pattern of courteous compliance where there's a lot of move and follow. Mm-hmm. So so someone sets direction and there are a lot of people who will often get behind it or support it. That's helpful in some respects, but there will be other times where there is um, a lack of opposition coming into the conversation. So teams that have that pattern, will often be lacking someone who's brave enough to push back and say, hey, I think we're we're going off the rails or I really see this differently. Here's, you know, here's my perspective. So that can happen. Another pattern that can happen is when a team gets into making lots of moves. Um, that's helpful for brainstorming if you're in a facilitated session and you're brainstorming new ideas, but teams that have the pattern of what's called serial moving, when they meet, will introduce a lot of different ideas, but you'll leave the meeting and you'll go, What did what did we decide? Like, did we actually get to any decision based on that? Or um did we did we leave some loose ends open? And those meetings will have a lot of energy. So they kind of have this sparse belief that we accomplished a lot, but we're really, you know, in teams like that, they're really missing someone to voice follow. Um so that's kind of how that there, there are a couple of other patterns, but those are two of the very common patterns that can emerge in teams. And so part of it is helping a team see it and then be able to change it in the moment. So when I said to you a moment ago, if we keep having the same conversation, you know, let's just say, um, you know, there's a, there's a new product that the team wants to launch and we keep talking about it, but we don't seem to make progress on it. Chances are one of four, one of those four actions is missing in our conversation. So can we slow the conversation down enough to catch sight of it? Can somebody bring in a really clear pose, or can someone bystand and name context? And when we can activate that in the in a whole system and everybody take part and responsibility for it, then all of a sudden there is a different kind of conversation that's emerging, like the the nature of the conversation changes. And then the topic actually doesn't become that big of a deal anymore, because what's happening is everyone has is, is coming into that conversation in a different way. So that's just a small example of a way you can look at structure as a way to navigate the outcome of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, while you were talking, I could de-
0: definitely recognize some of my experiences in meetings mm-hmm. with different teams that I've had in my corporate job previously. So I do yeah. recognize these patterns now that you mentioned them. Yeah. Do you uh, actually educate the people on these communication techniques or do you sit there and communicate mm. uh, and facilitate a, a resolution to a certain problem or yeah. situation?
1: We do. We do a little of both. So when we engage with teams, our whole objective is to Help them see what we're seeing. So, we do education on the structure, you know, how to look at the structure. Um, but we also sit alongside the team um, for a period of time and coach them so that they can, you know, it's one thing to sort of catch sight, just like you just did. It's a fairly easy language to onboard and go, ah, oh, I can. You know, I can totally see that. I remember two weeks ago when, you know, when that pattern was emerging, it can be a little bit more difficult when the stakes rise or you're really in the heat of the moment to catch sight of it. And so part of our objective is to build that competency in the team so that they're absolutely not relying on external support. But sometimes that takes a little bit of time. So we will come in um, typically about once a month and work with a team just to help them build that competency set them on their way see how it goes and then and then come back in um in a couple of weeks so mm.
0: well, what what portion of the overall company culture does communication in in, in the way that you facilitate it uh, mm. take mm. i don't think the question is clear it's I mean, maybe yeah. when you speak to uh, when you uh, work with smaller companies and startups it doesn't matter so mm. much but let's say mm. it's a larger company like i've, yeah. I've seen some big names that you've worked with and they have an established company culture, right? So maybe they're very compliant as a whole, generally speaking, as a company culture. How do you break this pattern Mm. in a team?
1: We hope that, you know, large organizations for sure are different when it comes to um, looking at communication patterns. So a lot of times we're working with a senior leadership team and helping them onboard that, I you know I think about we talk a lot about the na- the notion that leaders bring the weather, and so certainly some of the dynamics in conversation, what's welcomed and not welcomed, or tolerated and not tolerated, definitely gets set from more senior leadership teams. So a lot of times we'll start there, but then really wanting to build that muscle inside the organization. The org, org, you know, large orgs can't necessarily do this across every team, but they can look for inflection points or critical junctures in the org where it would make sense for, you know, if there are two departments that are, um, they're noticing, you know, this happens a lot of times in um, some software companies where there's the, engineering arm and the design arm and they can tend to get really entrenched and have difficulty navigating that. So there can be these inflection points or junctures where it makes sense to come in because you're noticing that conversation is stuck here or it's really there's becoming a bottleneck in terms of how we work. And leaders would go and then work, you know, particularly with that at that particular juncture and help that group of people onboard some of the language and build the competency. So it's it's about doing it in pockets.
0: All right, let's talk about your book. Mm. Your your book is called Build Your, it's behind you for for the ones that are watching (laughs) and not listening only to the podcast,
1: but it's called Mm. Build Your Model
0: for Leading Change. Yes. What is it about?
1: it's a, it's a lot about what we've just talked about. So, um, you know, I think so many of us are faced, particularly in corporate organizations, we're faced with needing to lead change, tasked with it in some way. Um, you know, it's what you and I talked about at the very beginning about, I I see that I want to go here and I recognize that I'm here and I see the gap. And um, it can be overwhelming about how we get there. And I think there's hundreds and hundreds of books and tools and techniques but i everything for me comes down to um, if we're going to lead change do we have a shared language for how to navigate some of the difficult aspects of conversations like can we have the conversation that we need to have so the first half of the book the first two chapters are really about the structure of communications that you and i've just talked about and then the second half of the book is about um, having a model for how you're going to lead change. So I think a, a lot of us could tell you what we do. Like if we're tasked with leading change, we could give you this whole list. Well, I start here and I make sure that I've got a team engaged. So we we can tell you what we do. But I think very few of us can tell you why we do what we do. And it's in the why. It's in getting, you know, as I say to you, for me and my model of change, I'm really clear about the fact that working at the intersection of where people talk and meet and have conversations, um, if we can build that competency, I think there isn't anything that a team can't do if they're able to talk about it well together. Um, but that's my model. So everybody will have a different model for how they lead change. So the book is a guided workbook. Um, it's not a we can read, <laughs> but it's a guided workbook and journal to um, help you get clear about what your model is. Um, and so there's suggestions and guides and prompts for what that looks like. And I think the benefit that I have observed in leaders over the years is just being clear about the why, like what it is that I'm doing and why I'm doing it. It's not so that it can make me right in a in an argument or a debate with someone else, but it's so that it can make me clear. So when I um I th- I think about it as like this grounded clarity or confidence when your your vision of what you're getting ready to set out and lead in the organization meets the day-to-day reality of constant change, flux. Um, you know lots of things emergent that you can just be really clear about okay well I can handle that because I know I know why I'm doing what I'm doing so I think that's where clarity and confidence come from
0: so is it in a way related to purpose and motivation to Mm -hmm. link to personal purpose as well
1: Yeah, I think um, personal motivation and purpose absolutely tie into it. So the book actually lays out three different models that work inter, um, they're very connected and intersected. So there is the first model, which is being clear about your model or behavior, and that's um, onboarding a language for communication. So that's your behavioral model. And then there is the model for leading change. So how does change happen? How do you believe change happens? What are the things that you would do and why would you do that? And then the third model is building your model for living. And that's my why, my purpose. Why, what's important to me? What do I value? What do I care about? And it's the intersection of all three of those models. Um, How am I leading change, which we can be overly focused. I know I'll speak for myself. I'm passionate and driven, but I can also be overly focused on work. And sometimes my model for change and leadership can get out of balance with my model for living. Um, And in my model for living, I value time and family and um, self-care. And so, so having clarity about both of those helps me keep them in balance. Great. Wow. This sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm very glad you touched on the personal life perspective of, of the whole yeah. work situation and leading change, because uh, sometimes we get uh, in, we, we get lost in all the professional talk and we forget that we are actually humans and all the professional yeah. success is anyhow driven by our human needs, desires, yeah, internal drives and so on.
1: Awesome. I feel like you're we do get out of balance quite a bit. And um it feels like the last several years of living through a pandemic helped to highlight that for for some. But um I think it's so important to, to be really clear about all three of those. Like what's my behavior? What's my model for living? What's important to me? Um the book is based on David Cantor's theory of structural dynamics. Um, and he's the author of the theory. But one of the things that he posed as part of the model for living is what does it mean to live a life worth living? And I think it's a really um, it's a really important question for us to ask and, and ponder. Where
0: can people find your book?
1: Mm. Um, it's online. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's also available at any um Uh, indie bookstore so uh, your local bookstores can also um, purchase it
0: great thank you so much marcia where can people find you um Mm. what what do you offer in terms of services
1: yeah uh well there's a couple of places if you want to connect with me you can find me at marcia acker on linkedin um, just drop me a message about how you, um, are connecting. I'm pretty good about responding within about 24 hours. Uh, you can read more about the book at buildyourmodel.com and you can find us at teamcatapult.com. All right. Thank
0: yeah. you so much. Teamcatapult.com is the main page yes. for engaging you for a consultation. Yes. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you so Thanks, much. <laughs> it was an insightful conversation I enjoyed it, thank you, yeah, thank, you. thank you for listening to Grow & Learn we hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging and inspiring our mission is to help you keep growing and learning and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives if you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow & Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.